So good morning. Okay, so I'm Alyssa. You guys probably all know that. Um, if you're somebody who recognizes faces instead of names, I sit over there, <laughs> typically. Um, I'm one of the six people who sit over there. Um, I've been in college since September, which limits how often I can come to Chalmers, so I haven't seen you guys very often. Um, and now I'm here thanks to Anna and the extremely dedicated youth, so I give them a huge thank you for giving me this opportunity. Um, to start, I just want to be honest, and college is not easy. I'm sure anybody who has a college kid understands that. Um, yeah, but don't get me wrong, I do love it, and it makes, me, it makes it very easy that I'm supported by so many people here. Um, lately, I've received so many texts throughout the semester from you all, and it's been like super supportive, and yeah, it just makes it super easy just because there's so many insanely spiritual, cultural, and psychological things that go inside there that even just like outside of the program, it's just, it's insane. But it's a lot of fun, and thank you for those who have supported me and prayed for me, and it's, it's, been, it's been great. So I just want to start off by reading a verse from 1 Corinthians that I would like for all of you to just to keep in mind when I speak this morning. It says, My message and my preaching were not of wise and persuasive words, but of the demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human vision, but of God's power. And that's 1 Corinthians 2nd chapter, um, verse 4 and 5. So, so to start off, um, I can just bring up the first one. Um, this church has always been very good by representing the body of Christ, and that's been displayed for me a lot. From the letters you guys write to the students at exam week, which is awesome, we love that, um, to supporting us and this youth-led service. We use the wisdom and experience of those who have been here for 30-plus years to help people like me and the kids in nursery and Sunday school who are still growing and figuring things out. Now, when I talk about the body of Christ, I'm talking about each person who has accepted Christ into their heart and dedicated their life to fulfill him. The first biblical reference to this body is in Mark, where it says, While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, this is my body. This is what, where we come from, where we're reciting, when we participate in communion. Jesus was giving part of his body to his disciples, saying that they were part of the body. The body is talked a lot about in the Bible, and much like anything, when something is repeated, they're trying to emphasize the importance. That's why the word love is mentioned 310 times in the Bible. I did not count. Um, <laughs> this is also the importance of responsibilities and values of being a part of the body of Christ is something that's mentioned multiple times in the Bible, but unfortunately commonly overlooked. I always find it fascinating when something's repeated in the Bible because it's not like my own school essays where I'm reading it and I'm like, whoops, I already wrote that and I have to take it out. God knows exactly what he put in there and exactly how many times he wants people to read it. While I could go over each time it's mentioned, I'm going to only specifically cover a couple of verses in Ephesians that covers all aspects of the importance of the body of Christ. It starts in Ephesians chapter 4, 11, where it says, So Christ gave himself the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the shepherds, and the teachers. See, when God calls the body of Christ, he doesn't say those who are leaders are the most successful to get him. He gave himself to the ones who breathed every breath serving Jesus. He gave himself to the ones who were frauds and the ones who spread God's word by doing deeds and to the, those who even led sheep. Jesus calls you to be the part of the body of Christ too. He calls me and the rest of the youth. He calls the kids in the nursery and in Sunday school, and he calls all of you too. And as the body, each one of us has a role to say, as it says in the next verse. Um, he gave us himself to equip his people of works of service so that the body of Christ can be built up until we all reach unity in faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I want to emphasize the, the words until we all reach unity in faith. 
Unity isn't something that one member of the church can attain, and then we're all set. It's not an individual thing. And in every, um, every different translation I read, unity was the word that was in every single translation. So that's another thing that they try to get in there. It doesn't change based on what denomination you're in or what type of Bible you read. So the hardest part of understanding it is what unity looks like in daily life. It's easier for me to talk to my Christian friends about something I'm spiritually dealing with and for them to talk to me, but it's harder for me to talk to people outside of my friend group or outside of my age group. Because we're all a church family of all ages and backgrounds, we all have stories, and some of them have never been shared, and that's completely okay. But we need to know how to feel comfortable with being able to share and step out of our comfort zone like I'm doing now. If, you, if one of the youth came to me and telling me something that they were really struggling with in their school, I'm not just going to be like, oh yeah, okay, and leave it because I was homeschooled and can't really relate. If a farmer asked me to pray for their crops, pray rain for their crops, I'm not going to awkwardly walk away. And if the kids came up to me with a drawing they drew with white crayons, I'm taking it home and putting it on my fridge. As a church family, when anyone approaches anyone with anything else they're struggling with or even thankful for, as their spiritual brother or sister, we have to support them. Ask them for coffee, babysit their kids to ease their stress, or do exactly what she did for me and just pray. Pray sincerely and pray that we all find peace and unity in faith. If only one part of the body fulfills its duty, it's going to struggle as well as the rest of the church. And then on to verse 14. It says, They will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by in the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunningness and craftiness of the people in their deceitful scheming. Today's society and culture is the farthest from truthful and selfless. Speaking on experience here, but my generation is one of the most confused and lukewarm kind of people about identity, about self-worth, and about just life in general and where it's going. One thing I realized in college is that there's no thing called, um, such thing as dignity and sincerity. People call these things friendships when they only take what they want and that's it. There's no such thing as relationships or love because they just take what they want and leave. In their minds, it's just why commit to something when you can just take what you want and run. And when everyone has that mentality, nobody really gets judged for it. This creates an impossible barrier to befriend somebody because anytime I ask them, hey, can I buy you a coffee? Or here's my notes that you missed the class. It astonishes them. The word genuine is non-existent. Outside of my generation, society as a whole seems to be developing also this numbness for sympathy and compassion. No one cares about anyone else's feelings, but if they do share their feelings, they're belittled or looked on as that over-emotional train wreck of a person. This is why when you break down and confess your feelings after someone says, hey, how are you? They get confused and awkward like they didn't really want an answer. The second part of this says that we must not be tossed back and forth by the waves. You can't pull a bluff on ourselves where we make ourselves believe that we help serve, our, help serve for the sake of the glorious body of Christ that we've been chosen for. We can't help a nursery just to hope that, oh, this is our holy stamp of approval. Like, yeah, I did my part. See you next Sunday. Time to go party. And lastly, I want to cover the, the words cunning and crafty. For whatever the reason, the world feels it's the one to define you. This is another thing that in my generation, it's, it's a very confused part because we like to, it's, it's almost easier to just accept what the world says about us instead of what God says about us. If you don't look at a certain way, say specific words or have a certain social class, well, that's not okay. It's so easy to accept the, what the world defines you, though. It's easier to blend in the norms, and it's easier to be accepted. As a youth, this has been one of the biggest struggles. We're not created to be a shadow, created by the light, but is still hiding behind something. The hard part is that everyone is searching for that missing piece of the puzzle of their life. Some people choose to throw it away, some people lose it, and some people create new puzzle pieces that they think will just fit back in its place. 
I personally have never struggled with who I was to people, but it's always been something in the back of my head that would try to resurface to attempt to throw, overthrow what, who God says I am. Who God says I am is stronger than the cunningness and craftiness of the world. Lastliness, lastly, we have verse 15, which reads, oh, I guess it's 15 and 16. Uh, it reads, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow in every respect of the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him who the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love, as each part does its work. By ourselves, we can't fulfill the duty of being part of Christ's body. We must work together and work in love to do our parts. By not doing our parts, it's going to be very hard for the rest of the body, too. And then on to the, the next part, just to summarize all these verses, I kind of jotted down in six parts um, that we can just narrow it down to these duties as being a body. Uh, the first one is unity and faith. And then we've got knowledge in the Son of God. Become mature in the fulfillment of Christ. Don't be lukewarm Christians conformed by the world. Speak the truth in love and do all things to glorify the head of the body, Christ. This is why serving people is so important, especially at church. We must do so in love, do so together, and do so for Christ. And then I have a few verses at the very end here. Um, if you want to, like I was mentioning at the beginning, where there's like several verses that cover the body of Christ, and I couldn't really tackle them all. So if you guys want to jot those down or whatever, you can look them up for your own reference later. So let's pray. God, thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak today in front of your humble body. Show each one of them the importance to center you as their compass. Whatever they do, let it be in love. Lead them to fulfill your plans for them and to mature their faith in you. Help the elders of the church guide us with their, and use their wisdom to better our own. Help the youth be passionate about you, develop to learn that Learn to develop that wisdom and to find their identity in you. Help the children seek you and use the youth as inspirations. For we give you, the head of the body, all the glory. And all the people said, thank you. Hello. Um, so this is my testimony. So to start, I thought I should introduce myself for those who may or may not know me. Um, my name is Ashley McAllister, and I'm currently in grade 12. We'll be graduating and taking a year off because I don't really know where I'm going to college. Um, I was homeschooled all throughout elementary school, and during high school, I've been in an online school. I li I've lived in Kincardine my whole life and have taken part in a lot of things here, like bagpiping in the Scottish Pipe Band and playing a variety of sports like soccer, swimming, and basketball. So that's kind of an overall just about me. I'm not going to lie, my testimony is a lot different than what a lot of people think when they hear the word testimony. And to be honest, I was kind of panicking when I was writing this because I didn't actually know what to say. I've never done drugs or gone to, cra gone to crazy parties that get me into trouble. I didn't go through some horrible experience like a natural disaster or losing someone who was really close to me. And I was born and raised in a Christian home where I was encouraged to learn and grow in my faith. And because of that, I never really abandoned my faith or felt that it was in danger. So I've asked myself on multiple occasions, what really is my testimony? Because you hear the testimonies of other people, and it's like they've gone through crazy conversions from these horrible lives to being changed by God. And so to kind of figure out what is my testimony, um, I decided to look up the definition of the actual word. And so, of course, there are multiple, but one of Google's trusty old definitions is a public recounting of a religious conversion or experience. And with that in mind, I would say my testimony is not necessarily all about the conversion, but rather the experience of living the life of a Christian. 
That, however, that doesn't mean that my story is meaningless because I didn't go through as much as other people might have. But then again, it also doesn't mean that my life has gone perfectly well. So here goes. I was born on December 10th to my family, which consists of six people, my mom and dad. I've got an older brother, an older sister, and then my younger sister. Growing up, I was homeschooled, best friends with my siblings, and would spend a lot of my time pretending I was a Jedi in Star Wars or off in some other adventure. So yeah, even as a younger kid, I wasn't all that cool. I was the kid who was emotional, the kid who would sneak chocolate pudding and then later, with chocolate all over my face, would deny even doing so. And the kid who would sing till her heart's content without caring how loud she was. Looking back, it wasn't that I was overly sheltered or anything. I just frankly chose to be joyful. Yes, there were sad days. There were days where I would be upset and angry. But I didn't let that affect or change who I was. However, with growing older, that became a lot harder, as I'm sure many of you understand. As I got older, people got meaner. Life got more difficult and painful. You know the drill. I actually faced bullying, which led to loss of self-confidence. And as many high schoolers do, I faced a bit of an identity crisis. I don't, didn't really know who I was or where I wanted to go. I've lost close friends. I've had deaths in my family and among a lot of other just everyday troubles like many people do. I can recall crying myself to sleep on multiple occasions. I can remember asking God, why? Why me? Why did this happen? Just why? Many, many, many times. And then I remembered, I used to be this carefree, joyful kid who had no problem expressing emotions, but as I got older, I felt that I had to hide those feelings until I could deal with them when I was alone. I felt that it was my responsibility to make everything better, that I couldn't ask for help because I had to be the help, so I couldn't show any weakness. And yet, even with all of that, there was never a point where I was completely and utterly hopeless and lost. There were several times where it might have felt like it, but I always kept going, and I never felt like I was losing faith in God, even if I lost faith in myself. And I'm not trying to make myself sound like the perfect Christian who never lost faith because my trust in him is so strong. There was just never a massive climax. There were just problems, and I got through them. Anyways, as I said before, I wasn't really the cool kid, and frankly, I'm still not the cool one. People hear that I was homeschooled, and they think that means I'm sheltered, unintelligent, and I don't know how to socialize. People see that my siblings are some of my best friends, and they think that that means I must not have any other friends, or that it's all a front because there's no way someone actually cares about their siblings so much that they talk to each other every day. And no joke, I've had someone say that to me once. People see that I'm Christian, and they think that I'm judgmental, reclusive, touchy, and self-righteous. You get the idea. People see me, as they do with many other people, and make assumptions based off of unreliable stereotypes. So yes, because of that, there were definitely times where I felt that I was alone, as I'm sure many of you felt alone before. I didn't know if my pain actually had a purpose. I didn't know if my tears fell in vain. And yet, even during those times where I just, frankly, I didn't know what to do, I did know one thing. I might give up on myself, but God doesn't. And I might not be strong enough, but God is. I've always tried to be the optimistic person, trying to see the bright side of things. And so even if I genuinely didn't believe anything could, good could come out of my bad situation, I used my optimism to trust in God enough to at least try to keep going. And when I did, things slowly started getting better, some very, very, very slowly, and maybe even still not perfect to this day. 
while others I've been able to grow and learn from. So my experience with bullying, it's, um, again, it's different than the normal person's because I didn't go to a public school growing up so that it wasn't a face-to-face every single day. Yet because of that, it's different and yet the same. And so I can relate to those people and yet I have my own story to tell. And so I've learned that even through the hard stuff, even if during that time I have no idea why it's happening, I've learned that everyone has their own story. Some parts can be relatable to help others, and other parts can be not as relatable and yet still inspiring. We all face a lot of really hard struggles, and we all deal with it in very different ways. One way I was really helped was through music. I'm a very musical person. My family is very musical. Um, and so listening to music has been like, kind of like my, my therapy, I would say, whenever I've been down. And even though there's been a lot of everyday struggles, I know that life is like that sometimes, and there will always be more struggles I face. There is a but, though. Especially since I've already struggled, if there's one thing I've learned, it's that God doesn't give up. And if I don't give up on him, if I fully and surrender and trust him, the darkness has no chance. That has taken me a long time to figure out. But I've gotten to the point where I think I can... Trust him enough to the point where I can do that. So in short, my life hasn't really been one big event. It's been more of a roller coaster of ups and downs that I don't really have much time to go into, like, a whole bunch of detail on. Um, And where I am now, my life is not perfect. To be quite honest, there's a lot of stuff that's happening right now that I know will be one of those struggles in my testimony in the future. The world is full of a lot of darkness. As Alyssa said, there's a lot of cultural and spiritual and just emotional pressures on us. And sometimes it can be really hard to see the light side of things, let alone being that light. I think that being part of a church family like this one can make that so much easier. So thank you for encouraging me, even if we've never actually had a conversation. Even if I don't even know your name, thank you for being here, because that is encouraging in itself. My testimony is not something that i actually trying to like get pity on or anything like that. Frankly, if anything, it's to say that even with a life that really isn't all that bad, living as a Christian can be really hard. Sometimes they're harder than others. Sometimes leave you feeling filled with the Holy Spirit, and other times leave you feeling alone and helpless. And that's not news to you, I'm sure. However, I think that it's important for all of us to realize that we're in this together as the family, as the body of Christ. Whether that's just by being good friends or even just smiling and genuinely praying for or with someone, we aren't called to do it all on our own. If you didn't really take anything else from this, just take this. The body cannot function at its best without all of its parts. We all have our own unique individual part designed specifically for us by God, and we're called to fulfill that. I don't really, I didn't really know how to end this, conclude this, because I've never actually done a testimony like this before. (laughs) Um... And because figuring out what our individual part is can be really hard, and I haven't gotten to the point where I've figured that all out yet. But I did think these lyrics from a song kind of apply, and I'm including this because, like I said, I'm totally a music person and couldn't help but putting it in. Um, So the lyrics go, Some people long for a life that's simple and planned. Some people won't sail the sea because they're safer on land. But I'd follow you to the great unknown. Hand in my hand, and you promise to never let go. We're walking the tightrope. I'm never sure, will you catch me if I should fall? Well, it's all an adventure that comes with a breathtaking view, walking the tightrope with you. 
I thought this kind of applies to our life, it's especially applied to mine, because our road as Christians is not an easy one. It's not simple. It doesn't all go according to our plan. And sometimes we think we might fall, but in the end, God's got us, and he has an amazing, beautiful plan for us. Sometimes it can be really hard to be able to trust that there is a beautiful plan, but all we really need to do is to trust and listen to him. And with each other, encouraging and uplifting one another and acting as the body of Christ, trusting and obeying God can be made a lot easier. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, that's it. I know it's not perfect, but I tried. Um, <laughs> and sometimes the first step is all it takes for any of us. <laughs>